Love worship, man. Some great songs. Just a great reminder of the loving, loving God that we serve. Well, I, I hope you all had a good Christmas and New Year's is coming up and there's always all those, uh, those promises that we need to break the day after. So I hope you're ready for all that. Whoops, you're still plugged in. <laughs> Like, what's going on with that cord? Um, actually, I was talking with, the, with my brother back there on the soundboard, Dexter, who's a, just a great brother and helping us out all the time in the sound and on the worship team and everything. And I was talking with him, and he reminded me of something that we all I think we all know and we all sometimes forget. Um, I know I forget it. Uh, he said something real profound, and he just reminded me of why to him Christmas is a great time. Because he was able to meet with and appreciate the family that God's given him. And even though it's not perfect, and even though they have differences and everything else, um, he was able to really just sit and, and, and enjoy what, what to him was Christmas was all about. And that's just loving his family and loving those people and the relationships around him. And so hopefully those were some moments that you had, um, you know, this Christmas. And, uh, and, and it definitely reminded me of what Christmas, a uh, good moment is in Christmas and what it's about. Uh, unfortunately, though, we also have bad moments that can happen. And if, if, you're, if you're new here, we want to say welcome. And we're, we're going, actually, this is a great time to be here because we're going through uh, a, a, a sermon series. We're going to start up a sermon series um, for, in the book of Philippians. Um, how many of you are familiar with Philippians and that book and just all the things? Great, yeah. Great book. It's one of my favorite books. And, and one of the main reasons why I love Philippians is because in the midst of all these crazy moments, I mean, Paul's writing from prison. Um, I mean, all these crazy moments that the Apostle Paul has, he has all these moments, these bad moments, that can stick with him and that he can be stuck in. And yet he chooses... To not, not be stuck, but to be free in Christ Jesus. And it's just a great book when we look at this. I believe there's some great stuff that God wants to teach us, teach me and teach you as well. Because if some of you like me, you can hear 99 great things. You ever had this? Now, I just happen to get this because I'm, I'm kind of a person that stands in front of people. Um, but have you ever had this at your job where... People will tell you, oh, you're doing great, you're doing great. And you, maybe you get like 99 of those. But there's that one out of 100 that says, yeah, you kind of uh, screwed up. What's the one we focus on? The negative. The, we forget all the 99, right? Um, and, and that's just the way we are. We get hung up or, or, or stuck in that one moment. And, and I believe that, that God wants to take us through, as, as a family, this book of Philippians, to look at these moments that we can get hung up in. I mean, loneliness, humiliation, struggle, hostility, temptation. There's so many of these moments that we can get stuck in. And God doesn't want us to live as stuck people. I love the passage in the book of Isaiah that says he will renew the youth's strength. He will renew their strength so that they can run with, and, and, and soar like wings with eagles. Because even the young get weary, right? Even the young grow tired. But those who trust and hope in the Lord will soar. I love that. Now, I kind of paraphrase that, obviously. <laughs> Some of you are like, I know that scripture. I was in Awanas. I have it memorized. <laughs> 
I do that a lot and I apologize. But that's the main point of that verse is that God doesn't want us to be stuck. He wants us to soar and be free. So that's why we're going to look at the book of uh, Philippians. It's a short verse. There's only 103, 103 verses in the book of Philippians. And 16 times Paul illuminates the joy and freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. And so today we want to look at how we can be free. The overall arching theme that the Apostle Paul lays out. And the crazy thing is he lays it out as he's giving, um, as he just, he's just writing who the letter is from. Because in the ancient world, when you were to write a letter, you always put your name and you address it to who it's to right in the beginning. And so if we look at, at Philippians verse 1, chapter 1, he says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. And so Paul, right off the bat, wants to set up to the Philippians, because they would have caught they would have caught this. Now we don't really catch this because this isn't, you know, this isn't our culture to some extent. But he says this one word that they would have been like, oh, that's where Paul's going. He says the word servant. Now, because we are a politically correct world, this word servant can be skewed in a lot of different ways. And in fact, if we were to really look at what this word is in the Greek, we, we, it's kind of a bad translation to say servant. Because what he should say is the word doulos, which literally means slave. So what he says is, Paul and Timothy, slaves of Christ Jesus. Anybody want to be known as a slave? Anybody? No. It's not typical, is it? It's not typical. Say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I'm a slave. What? <laughs> that's just not in our culture. Again, we're, we live in this culture today that's very much um, set away from that. And it doesn't get any better when we look at this word. In fact, if you're taking notes, I've just put it simply, that word doulos is only used in the New Testamental sense or to New Testamental period to mean a person who is property. Is it getting worse? Are some of you like, wow, I picked the wrong week to come to church? You know, great, we're going to learn that, uh, that Paul is somebody's property. Awesome. Anybody want to be property? No. Nobody wants to be property. We all want to be independent and free. It's the American way, right? I'm free. But see, the thing that Paul is illuminating here, and something we really want to look at today, is going to be the bookends that we put in this whole series, and it should be what we put our life, the context that we put our whole life in so that we can live free. And this is the paradox of Scripture, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about when I mean the paradox of Scripture, right? You want to be free? You need to be a slave. Wait, what? (laughs) You want to be first? Got to be last. What? (laughs) I mean, Jesus does this all the time, doesn't he? And yet, the truth is, when you live in an upside-down world, Things that are right side up look upside down, don't they? Because we live in a broken world, when we see something complete and whole, it it looks like a paradox to us. It looks like something we can't get. It looks upside down. And so what we need to look at today is this whole idea that Paul starts off with. Because what's beautiful about this is Paul, in his climax of the book of Philippians, He talks about Jesus. And he says, Jesus became a doulos. doulos. 
he became a slave as well. It's gorgeous. It's brilliant. And I hope you really get this with me as we go through this because this is the freedom we're going to see and the freedom that God wants us to live. And that's why today, we, 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 I, I know it's, we're going in the book of Philippians, but I think if we were to really look at this, it's easy to say, look, this is what Paul says, right? How many of you are with me? You hear it, but you would much rather see it. See, it's easy to say, hey, do this. I used to get this from my parents all the time. Do this. Well, why? Because you said it? I always challenged authority, by the way, and I still do. So I, that's, my wife, it drives her crazy. It's like, oh, no, that, that, that stop sign is just a suggestion, babe. You know? <laughs> it's, that's just a suggestion. No, it's the law. Eh, to you, you know? And so I, it, what's interesting is I don't just want to hear it. I don't want to say, oh, you know, have someone tell me, oh, that's it. No, I, I want somebody to show me. And that's the gorgeous thing about the book of Acts. Because in the book of Acts, in chapter 16, which we're going to look at today, we see the beginning of the Philippians church. The church in Philippi. Which, by the way, is the first European church. Any of you have European heritage? You can thank those people in Philippi and what the Apostle Paul does here as the first church claiming the first heritage of Christians into Europe. It's some awesome stuff. So what I'd like to do is I just want to remind you of our take-home truth that we're going to look at through this whole thing in the book of Acts to see how he chooses to be a slave. And and, and the take-home truth is this. It's simple. Discipleship and freedom. See, discipleship, following Christ, and freedom in that are rooted in being a slave to Christ. So... If you could join with me here and just stand up, we're going to look at the book of Acts, chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. Now, I was going to read, and we're actually going to go through um, chapter 16, verses 6 through 40. But instead of having you stand for uh, 34 verses, we're only going to read four verses. You're welcome. <laughs> so, but we're going to go through this whole chapter here because there's some great stuff, all right? So let's re- follow along and read with me here. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Verse 7, when they came to the border of Mysia and tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him. Come over to Macedonia and help us, it said. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, you may be seated. See, what's interesting, I, I love history. I don't know if you're like me. I know some of you are like, history, I, that was the class I slept in. Um, you know what? And I'm sorry you had a bad teacher because there, I think history is interesting to all people if given the right understanding. And so I want to help you get the understanding of this really quick. See, we have Paul getting ready to go out and preach the gospel. Preach the good news of Jesus Christ, that the, the, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, has come to, to make us free. Free from sin, free from brokenness, free from death. And the crazy thing about this is, in, in, in chapter 15, we have this huge thing that happens in the book of Acts. What it is, is it's this big council. It's the first council of the Christian church. And they get together, and they go, they, they, it goes something like this. Well, 
there's all these people that want to come to Jesus. I know, such a big problem, right? All these people who want to become Christians. But see, before, what they would do is, well, you need to become Jewish first. You see, you need to accept Judaism. The tenets of Judaism, you need to get, if you're a man, circumcised, ouch, and then you can become a Christian. But see, the thing that happened is, through the Holy Spirit and all the leadings, the, 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 the church and the apostles and the, and the bigwigs over the, the, the church, like Peter and all those apostles, heard from the Lord saying, no, I came to all people. They don't need to accept this to become a Christian. And so they make this decree. They make this, this um, proclamation that says that the people don't have to become a Jew to become a Christian. And so what we have is now Paul going, good. We're going out. And we're not going to convert people to Judaism. We're going to tell them about Jesus. And he, by the way, is a good Jew. So this is tough. This is tough for all these guys. Because to them, that's how you did it. And all of a sudden, God says, no, we do it differently. Now, I'm going to show a map really quick because this helps us to understand what's going on here. So we're going to put this map up. And, and what we have is way down here, we have the council and where they started. This is what they talked about. Now before, with all this, they had gone up into here. They had gone to all these different things of what they were going to do. But this is what happens, see. It says um, in verses 6 through 10, we have God stopping them from going south down into Jerusalem, or down into the Judean area, down this way, right? He stops them from going south. He stops them from going um, more north. And he stops them from going east, so, they give up. No, they don't give up. <laughs> so, they keep trying to go east or go north or go... No. But isn't that what we do? We get in our heads. This is what I'm supposed to do. It doesn't happen. So, we give up. Anybody been there? That's what I do. <laughs> or how about this? You, you, you keep pounding your head against the wall that you hope is going to be a door one day. Anybody else there? See, not to a slave, not to Paul. He stubbornly says, okay, God, it's not about me. It's about you. And that just leads us to that first part of what it means to be a slave. A slave must be obedient to his master if we are to get through the moment of struggle. See, the Lord closed all the paths, closed everything up. And instead of quitting or pushing against, they, they were obedient. And that made all the difference. See, Paul is obedient to the master. Because Paul knew a simple truth. Obedience means we accept the no's so that we can get the yes. See, obedience means we accept the no's so we can get the yes. Or we get this, accept the no's just as much as we can accept the yeses. See, we've all seen this with kids, by the way. Anybody out there with kids? <laughs> Wouldn't it just be so much easier to say yes to everything they want? I love that, uh, that I think it was Bill Cosby who says he gives them cake in the morning. Why? Because cake's got eggs, it's got flour, it's got all the good stuff in it, right? So dad is great. He lets us eat cake, right? <laughs> just give them what they want. Give them what they want. Never say no. Anybody seen a kid that's never had no said to him? <laughs> they become spoiled rotten. Uh, if you don't believe me, some of you are grandparents. Take your grandkid, or some of you are parents, or 
Heck, if you don't have kids yet, just borrow a kid. They're all over the place. But make sure you get permission because that's frowned upon when you just take somebody's kid. Take them to a candy store. Just let them look around. Now, they haven't eaten in like 20 minutes, so they're starving. Maybe three hours. Now, you know you've got an awesome homemade meal at home that they're going to love. It's their favorite. Typically, mac and cheese or chicken nuggets or corn dogs. You know, But you know they're going to love it. And you take them to that candy store. What, what's going to happen? Candy! I want candy! I want candy! You ever seen those kids in the store? And you're, the, the parents fighting them saying, No, no! Because they know they have something greater for them. But the kid right now, man, he wants that candy. He wants to, he wants to get so sick on candy that he won't enjoy the good stuff that's going to give him the thing. You know, And that's the truth of us with the Lord. God has a no for a reason. And we wage and rage against it, don't we? And we miss the yes because we can't accept the no. We know, if we were to put it in simple terms, if you're taking notes, we know that if we're willing to obey the no's, then we will always hear the yeses. This is what happens in verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. See, Paul sees this European. This guy doesn't have a Sherpa or, 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 or a turban. He doesn't have any of that stuff that they're normally equated with. He sees this, this European guy that they've never gone to. And it's begging Paul. He's begging Paul to help him. And this is the start of an adventure because they say, okay, God, you said no. Where do you want to say yes? Now, after Paul had seen this vision, it says in verse 10, we got ready at once. Don't miss that. We got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. See, that at once is a great word because it doesn't just show us, hey, they were ready. They were obedient. See, they were ready to go and they were obedient. And slaves get who's in charge. And they know who they're following. Now, we see in verse 12 that they make it. And that's how the first European church starts. Now, verse 13 is it's interesting because I love this as we see what happens because it never goes the way we want it to. Can I get an amen out there? Does it ever go the way you planned? Does it ever? No! But this is the assurity and freedom of being a slave because it's not up to us. It's not up to you to make it go the way it's supposed to go. It's not up to you to make the world perfect. It's not up to you to make your kids perfect. It's not up to you to provide completely so that you're comfortable and secure. It's not up to you. It's up to the master. And Paul gets it. See, verse 13, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. If you guys know Paul's M.O. from the book of Acts... He always goes to the synagogue first. Paul, whenever he got into a town, he went to the synagogue, he would preach the good news of Jesus to those in the synagogue, and then he would go out and go preach in the other areas. Guess what? It's Europe. There's no synagogue. You see, they're in a little place called Philippi. And Philippi is a Roman colony, and they're darn proud of it. And those Jews, well, we don't let them in here. You see, in that day... It took 10 Jewish men to create a synagogue. That's it. 10 Jewish men. They didn't even have that. They didn't have 10 Jewish men anywhere. So where does he go next? Well, he goes down to the river where he knows ceremonial washing would have been done if there were observant people of God. So he goes down there. Plan B. 
Now this points us to the next vital truth. A slave follows only the master's plan, even when it doesn't make sense at that moment. See, Paul could have very easily said, well, there's no synagogue, so uh, we're going to leave now. No, he doesn't do that. See, he's led to a place where there's no synagogue. Instead, he goes to an impromptu prayer meeting at the river. Paul hopes to find men who are seeking the Lord, because that's what you did in that day. Honestly, ladies, it was very sexist at the time. Women weren't allowed to do very much. And so he goes hoping to find men, and who does he find? Women, praying at the river. So he, he hopes to find Europeans. That's who he saw in his dream, a man from Macedonia. Who does he find? Look at this. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Theatara named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of a god. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Interesting thing here. She's from a Middle Eastern area. Theatra is a Middle Eastern area. She's a Middle Eastern woman. She's not even from Macedonia. And she's the one that accepts. She's the one that hears and opens her heart. This is the craziest part. This isn't the ideal plan. But Paul's a slave. It's not his plan. He's following the master. And only the master. See, it doesn't have to make sense at the moment if you're following his plan. Now, verse 15, when she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. And this is great, because we missed this part. But, but, but it, it's so small, it's that word if. See, if you consider me a believer in the Lord... If, she said, come and stay at my house. This is the craziest part because, see, they had just had a council meeting, didn't they? And you can almost see Paul and his people, Timothy. They're sitting there and they're going, okay, is she a Christian? I don't know. But is she a Christian Christian, right? Is she a Christian Christian Christian? I I don't know. Is she legit? I don't know. And they're debating this. Because by the way, Paul is an observant Jew and you don't go into a woman's house, let alone a Gentile woman's house. Because then you're really breaking the law. See, it doesn't make sense, does it? But Paul loves to do that to us. Or, I'm sorry, God loves to do that to us. And that's what we see here. Because a slave knows, you know what, it's not about me, it's not about my traditions, it's not about my culture, it's about you. That if is super important. Is this really the master's plan? Because it sure doesn't make sense right now. Isn't there another thing we can look at? Isn't there something else we can do, God? No. Only the master's plan. And I love that. She persuaded them. You could see, they just went, okay, God is, we know it's, we know God's doing something. And so they go in. My question is simple. What part of God's plan right now doesn't make sense to you? Because every single one of us have something going on in our life that does not make sense. We live in a very senseless world sometimes, don't we? When relationships don't make sense. When finances don't make sense. When God says go, and we go where? And he just says go. And you're like, this doesn't make sense. (laughs) With my kids, it's not making sense. Nothing sometimes makes sense. But God says, "Are are you following only me? Because a slave gets that. I love this. In verse 16, he says, Once we were going to the place of prayer. So he doesn't try to make a synagogue here. He just, we're going to go to where they were going. We're going to go down to the place of prayer. 
they met, a, met by a female slave who had a spirit of which she predicted the future. The, 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 the term here is an evil spirit, a demonic spirit. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. And she followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God. She uses the word doulos here. These men are slaves of God. These men are slaves of God. The real God. The Most High God. Who are telling you the way to be saved. Sounds good, doesn't it? I mean, that's like, hey, we got free PR. Here's somebody in the town, everybody knows, and she's telling everybody that we're legit. That we're good. And how to be saved. You think Paul and them, you think they'd be excited about this, right? Well, she kept this up for many days, and finally Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left. Why is he so upset? (laughs) I mean, they're getting free PR here. Let me give you the truth. It's very simple. The, The enemy always uses a little bit of truth to trick us to becoming his slave. The enemy always uses a little bit of truth to lead us down that road of slavery. Paul knew this. And Paul doesn't want any of it. So again, the enemy goes, well, I can't trick him this way. So I got to do my next thing, which is outright attack. Look at verse 19. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. And in verse 20, they brought them before the magistrates and said, these men are Jews. Don't miss that. Anti-Semitism here, huge. These men are Jews. We don't even allow 10 of them in our town. That's why we have no synagogue and we're proud of it. We're proud of it. And they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept and practice. Verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack. So now we got a mob against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods, and after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he then put them into the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Boy, you talk about God not making sense. God, we went where you wanted us to go. We're doing what you want us to do. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. You see, the Romans were all about Pax Romana, peace at all costs, peace at the edge of a sword. And here's Paul, here's Silas, doing what God called him to do, which isn't always peaceful, amen? It's not. To tell people about the love of God, they don't always want to hear that. To share and show love when it hurts, people don't want that. Hey man, don't rock the boat. And this is what they're doing. And and don't miss this here. They're stripped naked. Now to any Middle Eastern man, even today, it's the worst thing you can do. It's the highest form of humiliation to make an observant Jew, a Middle Eastern person naked, especially in that time. And what do they do? Oh, you're not even a person. They take away their clothes. They strip them before everybody. They're naked. Humiliation. Then they're beaten with rods. And this is an easy thing to, 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 for us to not get. Beaten with rods literally meant big metal rods that they would beat the feet of the person that was supposed to get it. And the whole reason for that was, I am going to beat your feet so that you become lame and broken and you can't use your feet to go anywhere again. 
They didn't hit anything else when you got beaten with rods. It was all about your feet. Can you imagine getting beaten with rods on your feet and your ankles? All I can think of is that scene in Misery where he gets hobbled. That was the idea. That was the idea, to hobble them. Then, to be severely flogged. Well, many of you have seen the Passion of the Christ. I mean, we're talking beaten until they're almost unconscious and dead. The backs are completely splayed open with blood and everything. Oh, and if that's not bad enough, you're not just going to get put into prison, you're going to be put into the inner prison, which literally at that time meant there's no lights. It's completely dark. Completely dark. So utter darkness. Oh, yeah, and and did I forget? We're going to put you in stocks. We're not even going to let you lay down on the floor. You're going to be hunched over, put into things where you're completely trapped, as your back is bleeding everywhere, as your feet are completely broken. Do do you see what's going on here? You talk about a moment to get stuck in. If you're like me, and that happened to you, this would be the story you tell everybody as soon as you meet them. This would be the thing that, 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 that changes your life. I mean, we're talking PTSD here, people. You come back from that and you're not the same. You are not the same. We're talking about a moment that, you, that you're not going to be able to get out of for a long time. And some of you are there. You all know what I'm talking about. There are moments in your life that have traumatized you, that have humiliated you, that have beaten you, that have pushed you down and persecuted you, and you've said, God, what the heck is going on? But this is where we have to understand. Paul's a slave. They get it. Even in the midst of this, even in this, look at their response. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Praying and singing. The, the word, by the way, for, for, for singing is oneo, which isn't just, hey, we're going to sing a tune, every, you know, uh, don't worry, things will get better, every cloud is... No, they're, they're not singing just a song. It literally means singing praises. Praise worship. We love you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. What? Is anybody out there like me? <laughs> when I read this, I go, I wouldn't be praising God. I'm in prison. I can barely open my mouth. I'm so in pain. I'm so humiliated. God, we got a vision. We were told no here. We were told no here. We were told no here. And now we go here and this is where we end up. I'd be rethinking my slavery. <laughs> Anybody been there? But this is Paul. He gets it. See, can I, can I just say real simply, a slave trusts that the master is in control And others are always listening in our struggle. See, Paul knows that in the midst of this prison, he's got a king in a palace. The king of kings. And he knows. And he's got him there for a reason. See, Paul knows he's a slave to the one who's ultimately in charge, who's ultimately in control. And he gets that. And he relinquishes his control to the master's control. See, they're in the midst of prison and yet they're, they're free. They're in the midst of pain and they're free. They're, they're in the midst of darkness and they're free. This is the truth of being a slave to Jesus. If you are a slave to Jesus, then you can't be a slave to anything else. 
How many of you have been a slave in the prison of fear? How many of you have been a slave in the prison of insecurity? How many of you have been a slave in the prison of, of you name it? And I love this part because this is the part that really gets me. They have an audience. We need to not forget this. And the other prisoners were listening to them. You bet they are. It's utter darkness. They know people have been beaten to an inch of their life and they've come in and all these other prisoners are listening and they're hearing Paul and Silas singing. You can't fake it in prison, can you? See, it's easy to sing praises to the master when you're sitting in the palace, but when you're in prison, it's a little more difficult. But guess what? That's when people listen. I still remember a time with my wife. I I had just started a new gig at my church, my old church, as a youth pastor. And and things were not happening the way we thought they were going to happen. And there was a time when we sat there in that month and we went, oh... That's how much it's going to cost to feed my four kids. And we don't have it. How are we going to eat? And my wife and I sat there, and at first we cried, and we were upset, and we were going, what are we going to do? Well, we could do this, and we can do that, and we were freaking out. And we came to a point where we said, you know what? No, no. If we're a slave to Christ, then Christ knows. Amen? And we sat there, and we thanked the Lord for not having any money. And wouldn't you know it? God provided. God provided. God took care of us. And others were listening. See, when the prison of health is starting to close in around you, and you are tempted to take control back and scream and rage, others are listening in that prison. See, when the prison of financial insecurity is closing in around you, and it takes all the power you've got to follow the master and not step to your own beat and drum. But you say, your will be done, Jesus. Others are listening. When you're battling addiction and all you want to do is go back to what's easy, others are listening. When you've got death around you, others are listening. See, in the prison moments, we truly can trust God and know that He's in control. This is why, by the way, I just want to reference this. We're going to get to this, but in Philippians chapter 1, Paul reminds the believers of this, of the church, that he's starting right now, that God's starting right here. But in verses 29 through 30, he says this, For it has been granted to you, Philippian people, Philippian believers, on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in Him, but also to suffer for Him. Since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had. Remember when I was in the stocks? Remember? Yeah. God's allowing this in your life so that others can listen. Because others need to hear in the prison. See, others will listen more when our spouse walks out that door. Others will listen when our business goes bankrupt. Others will listen as our child runs away. Others will listen as our health fails and new struggles meet us. Others are listening so much more intently to see if God really is in control and does He really mean it. Will you meet that struggle as a slave of Jesus? 
I love this because look what happens. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken and at once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. Now, you have to understand, when they chained people, they were chained into the brick and mortar of the wall. That's how they did it. It was either in the brick and the mortar of the ground or the brick and the mortar of of the wall. And so it took a full earthquake to break that brick and mortar. The jailer woke up. Oh, you bet he did. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to fall on it, to kill himself, because he thought the prisoners had all escaped. You see, in that time, the jailer was in charge. And by the way, you fail, you're dead. If you let a single prisoner go, your life is forfeit. Talk about uh, making sure your job gets done. (laughs) You don't just get fired, you get killed. Verse 28, but Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself! We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Who else was listening? In the midst of that prison, the jailer was listening. See, the jailer heard I love this. They they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe just means trust in the same God we're singing about. Trust in the same God who did the same thing, became a slave for you and me. Trust. But this is the crazy thing. Let me just reference this here really quick. Um, A slave refuses to be personally offended and seeks to live as an offering. Why do I put that? Because you know what? I don't know if you're like me, but maybe... See, in that moment, you know what I'd be tempted to do? (laughs) Oh, now you come to me, huh? As I'm sitting here, now you come to me, Mr. Jailer, who probably did the beating, who probably mistreated them, who was not gentle with them, who did not give them water when they needed water, who did not feed them when they needed food. Now you're being nice to me, Mr. Jailer? (laughs) <laughs> Let me tell you. you. You know what I'm saying? You ever been in that situation? Oh, the shoe's on the other foot now, huh? That's right. See, it's so tempted to be offended. But Paul refuses to be offended. Instead, a slave accepts that their life is an offering. I love this. Paul was willing to give up his rights so as to be an offering to the jailer. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house at that hour of the night. See, the jailer wasn't just like, what must I do? He brings his whole family. He's like, my family needs to hear this because this is the real deal. You should hate me and you love me. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. See, let me just please understand this. The true miracle is not that the earthquake happened and and chains came loose. The real miracle is that we've got a hardened military man who's seen battle after battle after battle, has seen blood, he's seen guts, he has tortured people. You know what torturing does to a human being? It hurts the torturer more than it hurts the torturee. 
mentally. It strips them of all their humanity. I mean, we're talking a shell of a man who there is nothing good in this world. Nothing matters. He probably sat in that darkness and thought, this is who I am. Hardened, tough. That is the miracle that the walls around his heart came down. That the earthquake was a spiritual earthquake. And as Paul offered himself, we see a man who comes to the Lord. Let me me just say this. Who do you think is too hard to receive God around you? Who has offended you where you're like, that guy could never come. He's such a jerk. What he did to me, I mean, you name it. No. God's calling you to be an offering. What are you going to do? Are you going to be like Paul? Because that's what a slave does. And it makes all the difference. Are you stuck in that moment that they gave to you? Are you stuck in the moment that they did to you? Are you stuck in the moment of be a slave? Not to that moment, but to the Lord Jesus Christ who wants you to be an offering. And you'll be free just like Paul and just like the jailer experienced. Now, this is, this is crazy. It says in verse 35, when it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, okay, release, release those men now. And the jailer told Paul, because he's sitting there with him, right? And the magistrates have ordered, he says, that you and Silas be released. Now you can live. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, hey, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. They beat us publicly. They humiliated us. They did it all without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens. And they threw us into prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. No, no, no. Let them come themselves to escort us out. (laughs) Okay, my question here is probably like your question. Uh, Paul, why didn't you say this earlier? (laughs) Some of you are like me. You're going, dude, you had an ace in the hole. You could have told them, hey, we're Romans, and they wouldn't touch you. Because, by the way, if you take a Roman citizen in that time, under Pax Romana, you take a Roman citizen, you beat them, you don't give them a trial, you are guilty of the death penalty. That's the truth. Paul could have played that card. Why did he not play that card? Last point I want to make, real simply. A slave always looks for an opportunity to protect and show God's love to others. You see, Paul doesn't make it about him. He was looking for an opportunity. He knew that if he was to be beaten without a trial, he would have the upper hand. That God could use this. See, he's not thinking of himself here. He sees an opportunity to help others. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. (laughs) But by the way, that word here, the, the whole understanding word to do a correct translation, it's literally, they are scared to death. Because they know their death is coming in, imminently soon. So what does it say? It says in verse 39, they came to appease them. <laughs> they, they, they literally probably came crawling on their hands and knees. Oh, we're so sorry. And then they tried to escort them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. Just just leave. Whatever you want, just get out. We'll give it to you. After Paul and Silas came out of prison, they went to Lydia's house. You get that? Oh, that's nice you want us to leave. We're going to go to our brother's and sister's house now. You have family here? Mm Mm-hmm. It's Lydia. You know her? She's my sister. Oh, okay. We'll let you go over there. Whatever you need. Where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them, then they left. Do you notice something? 
They're not having church by the river anymore. They're having church in Lydia's house, which never could have happened if Paul hadn't seized the opportunity for others. Do you get this? He knows that the authorities are going to be extra careful. He knows that if he says, no, these are my brothers and sisters. Oh, they are? What do they need? Do they need food? Do they need money? Whatever they want, they get it because we don't want to die. We will treat them better because of what we did to you. Can I just say this is why we emphasize grow groups? I know this seems like a weird place to put it, but (laughs) trust me, it makes sense. Because see, when we connect together, and not just on a Sunday, this is great, but when we can get together and sit around, I mean, this is the idea, we come together and we meet, but when we can sit around the living room, heck, when we get to a point where we can sit around the kitchen table, you know what I mean? Because real communication comes around the kitchen table. And when we sit around there, we have an opportunity to share and show God's love that we could never do on a Sunday. And Paul being a slave of Christ, knows that he has an opportunity to share and show and protect. And we cheat ourselves of that when we don't get intimate with other people that God is bringing us around. But Paul gets it as a slave. Heck, Jesus did it. Jesus could have came. I mean, of all people, the perfect son of God, he comes and what does he do? He surrounds himself with a bunch of people. One of them stabs him in the back, betrays him. But he meets with them and he gives them protection and seeks opportunity to share and show God's love continually to them. My question is simple. What are you stuck in today? Do me a favor. If you can, just bow your head. This is a time where we're going to bring up the worship team. And I know I went a little longer today, but this is what makes all the difference. This is what makes all the difference. Are you a slave to Christ? Because if you're not a slave of Christ, you're probably a slave of something else. And my question is simple. How's that working out for you? Because I've been there and I've done that. Please understand, this is the time to look at the moment that you've maybe been stuck in for a while. Where or what is God calling you to? to be obedient and follow Him. What doesn't make sense right now? But God is calling you to follow only Him. Who are the others that are listening in this moment? Where do you need to refuse to be offended and seek to live life as an offering? And what opportunity do you have today to protect and show God's love to others? I just want to give you a minute. Take this time. Don't walk away being stuck. My challenge to you is to seek the one who became a slave so that you can be free. You want to be free? Let him be your master. Father, we don't understand everything. Heck, there's many times in my life I go, why am I banging my head against this wall so many times? I don't understand. 
But Lord, the more I just look at this and the more I see what Paul did and the more I see what the first church in Philippi did, the more I see it's not about what I can do. It's about just serving you. Being a slave of the Most High. Being a servant of the Prince of Peace. Not demanding my own rights, but seeking your kingdom first. Your will be done in my world as it is in heaven. Father, my brothers and sisters here are struggling in certain places. I can't get in and understand everything I'm not called to. Heck, if I could, I'd fix everybody with a wave of my magic wand, but last I checked, I don't have one. But what I do have is what they have or can have today through your Son, Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, who says, follow me. Seek first my kingdom. Be an offering as only you were meant to be in a broken world around. In your marriage, as I know it's not the most perfect. In your family, as there's struggles. In your work, where you're having a hard time. Wherever it is, seek me first. And all these other things will be given unto you. many of us suffer as a slave to many things may we just be the slave to your son Jesus that we were called to be and help us be free from those moments in our past that plague our present we love you and we thank you we give our life to you now in Jesus name